0: be seated. There's often a point when you are discerning what you are going to preach that you have to make a decision. And this might be a little bit of homiletical heresy to admit this out loud in a seminary chapel, but I often find myself having to make the decision of, do I start with the Scripture and then find in that the message that I feel God is calling me to preach to the community, Or is something happening in my community that I am compelled to address, and therefore I go to the Scripture to see if it has anything to say about that? Well, I kept reading the Scriptures for today, trying to do the first because it felt more authentic to what we are taught to do in homiletics, in seminary, and yet the second would not leave me alone. My decision today was, do I treat this Wednesday morning as an independent Eucharist? It's just a normal Wednesday morning, or is it in some way for our community connected to the gathering we will have this evening and the celebration we will have tomorrow? As we honor Martin Luther King, Jr., and we consider the impact of that work and how we are manifesting it today in our community, so after talking with Dr. Thompson and Dr. Fentress Williams, who said to me, preach it, here we are. <laughs> Ten years ago, I became the chaplain, the senior chaplain and chair of religious studies at National Cathedral School for Girls. I had an experience that year that I have never talked about in public. I've thought about telling this story many times, and every time I came to that place, I realized that I had not done enough work. So I came to that again in the last few weeks and realized that maybe I have. Maybe I haven't, but I'm gonna take the chance that I have. I thought when I arrived at cathedral school, I knew something about intercultural competency. I grew up in Okmulgee, Oklahoma, which had a significant African-American population. After the worst race massacre in the United States in Tulsa, Okmulgee welcomed that community and allowed them to build homes there. They were the diaspora of the Tulsa massacre. It also had a significant population of Native American students. I grew up in a school that when we were all gathered together, we looked diverse. I now recognize and realize that when we were in our honors classes, there were only two faces of color. I called James yesterday to ask if I could talk about this, and he said yes. And he reminded me that only two African-American Roman Catholic churches were built by missionaries in the early part of the 19th century, one of those in Oat Mulgee because the three rows that had been reserved for colored people in the back of the... Roman Catholic Church in town started to overflow, and they decided they needed their own priest. That's where James grew up. I thought I knew a lot. I was someone who knew that I presented white but was from a multiracial family. I was a woman. I'd lived in California and been part of advocating for LGBTQ inclusion in the Episcopal Church. I thought I knew what it meant to be an ally, and I was confident that I might not always get it right, but my heart was in the right place. And so we came upon the celebration of the 24th and 25th anniversary of the Black Student Association at National Cathedral School. I reached out and I talked with the person who had been the first African American student at National Cathedral School. She'd avoided coming back and preaching at chapel. She was an Episcopal priest at this point for a long time, but she agreed to come back and preach that chapel. Many of my students seemed excited. I met with the BSA. We wrote prayers. Having reread those in the last week, they still read well 10 years later. I got lots of pats on the back as chapel ended that day. And then a student asked if she could talk to me. This is someone who did not like me. I knew that. She was the senior warden of the student vestry. She'd been selected by the chaplain I replaced. That person was her mentor, her guide. That person was writing her college recommendations. She was always polite to me, never absolutely agreed with much of what I said. But she gave me the biggest gift any student has ever given me that day. She walked into my office and sat down and took a chance at telling me the truth. She talked to me a little bit about the great things about chapel that day. And she said, but I think you missed something. We didn't need you to invite her to come and preach. We didn't need you to say anything What we need you to do is to make room for us to talk. And when we say things that make other people uncomfortable, we need you to look at them and tell them that that's their stuff to work on. I have had no contact with that student since she graduated from National Cathedral School. And yet I think about her multiple times every year. I sat in that office and when I think back to that day, I can still feel my body and know where I was. It's one of those moments that everything changed for me in my life. And I wanted to tell her all the things I'd done. I wanted to explain why what I'd done had been good. I wanted to tell her I didn't mean to hurt anybody. And I remember hearing God's voice say, be quiet. I think it probably was shut up, but (laughs) I still remember that moment. And I remember knowing not to speak. And as she left, I said, thank you, even though you don't like me. Thank you for believing that I could hear you. Wow, I realized at that point I didn't know anything about being an ally. And so I threw myself into, as Stacy always does when she realizes what she doesn't know, I threw myself into learning as much as I could. I attended diversity education conference and workshop as many as I could, and finally, When I was in a workshop for the third time with the diversity educators at Georgetown Day School, one of them said, why are you here again at lunch? They were teaching something very important. They were teaching a whole group, a whole community of people that when we are confronted with our failures. Our first reaction is often to say, but I'm not racist. And that what we have to learn to do instead is stop and realize that even if in our hearts and our values we are not racist and we are committed to working to diversity, we have all been formed in a society that is systemically racist and therefore we get caught in the patterns of that society. These diversity educators were trying to teach us to separate out what we were hearing from our students from our own identities, to take a step back. And so when she asked me why I was there the third time, I said, I'm going to keep coming until until the script in my head is no longer, I'm not racist. I'm going to keep coming until the first thought I have when I am confronted with my failures and the system failures of the schools that I work in is, I hear you, yes, help me understand. And I did. I also forced myself to begin to read people that make me uncomfortable. Two of the women writers that I read say this about allyship, and it has changed my understanding. Mia McKenzie, who is is the creator of the website, and later the book, Black Girl Dangerous, says this about allyship. Allyship is not supposed to look like this, folks. It's not supposed to be about you. It's not supposed to be about your feelings. It's not supposed to be a way of glorifying yourself at the expense of the folks you claim to be an ally to. It's not supposed to be a performance. It's not supposed to be a way of living your life that doesn't reinforce the same oppressive behaviors you're claiming to be against. It's not about me. It's not about most of us in this room. Roxanne Gay, who is the author of Bad Feminist, she's a force to be reckoned with on Twitter. She's the first woman to write for Marvel Comics. It's really significant. And her side job is that she's an associate professor of English at Purdue. She wrote in Marie Claire, Black people do not need allies. We need people to stand up and take on the problems born of oppression as their own, without remove or distance. We need people to do this even if they cannot fully understand what it is like to be oppressed for their race or ethnicity, gender, sexuality, ability, class, religion, or other marker of identity. We need people to use common sense to figure out how to participate in social justice. I needed to figure out what to do, not depend on others, particularly anyone in those identified groups to tell me what to do. Jamie Ute, who is a diversity educator, and who presents as a white male, says this about being an ally. Now, before I tell you what he says about being an ally, he's really clear none of these ideas are his own. They come from all of the people he has learned from. But he says being an ally is not a core piece of your identity. You can't claim to be an ally and then let it dismiss other actions that you're doing. And he also says that we should never use the term ally as a noun that when you start to use the term ally as a noun to describe yourself, you have lost your way. Being an ally is about your action. So those scriptures that I read every morning this week. Isaiah, say to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, show yourself. To those of you who wish to be allies, to the deepest part of myself who wishes to act in a way that my students can respect, I say, come out. Show myself. In the gospel, the gospel we heard today takes place immediately after Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And he is confronted, and he is told that what he is doing is wrong. May I be someone who is willing to heal on the Sabbath, even when it upsets my bishop, or a search committee, or the biggest donor in my parish. May I be someone who is unwilling to walk past someone in pain, because I could get to that person on Monday. Or I could speak to that person in private. One of the songs that plays at my house many, many mornings in my Arena Anthem playlist. Okay, seniors, that was it. That's a vague Brene Brown reference. For those of you who aren't on the inside joke, there was a point at which the seniors played VTS Bingo and one of the items was when would Williams Duncan mention Brene Brown? Anyway. But one of the songs that plays regularly in the mornings is The Long Way Around by the Dixie Chicks. But I'm taking the long way around, taking the long way around, I'm taking the long way around Well, I fought with a stranger and I met myself. I opened my mouth and I heard myself. It can get pretty lonely when you show yourself. I guess I could have made it easier on myself. When we come out and show ourselves, when we dare to heal on the Sabbath, we are taking a risk. And today in my heart, I carry with me James and Erica, who sat through 12 years of gifted programs where they were the only two people of color the student who took a risk to tell me the truth, along with all the so many other young women at National Cathedral School who taught me more than I ever taught them. And may we each leave this chapel today knowing that if we are not uncomfortable, if we are not struggling with what we want to say versus what we know we should say, then we are not listening. May I be brave enough to open my mouth and hear, to show myself even if it means being lonely. May someone someday tell a story about me in which they remember me coming out and showing myself.